Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfell-Shaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the countryman in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? So, um, last time we spoke to EJ, we were, I guess there were two differences. One, we were in Gilgit, Baltistan and neither of us are there anymore and i say i guess the second more profound difference is we're in the same place and now thousands of miles separate us uh where where are you now i'm back home in the uk i've left pakistan okay so we've got a lot to catch up on right because uh there were about what 500 kilometers ahead of us at the end of the uh, at the last episode before we get to Islamabad. Um, can you can you tee us off, kick us off with the journey between Gilgit and Islamabad? Well, wow, okay. It was it was a tough one. It was a tough leg down the Karakoram Highway. Um, Go on, what made it tough? <laughs> being marched in the night by the police. Um Okay, well, we need to just we just need to stop on that first one because that's that's already quite big. Um, we it was we we were going to Chilas, right? Um, that was the first time, and then the second night we we're going to Dasu. It wasn't quite as with the the police were nice, right? They were pretty friendly oh, yeah, guys. Yeah. They were those nights, but that's that's another topic to get into. Yeah, so in the on the march down to Chilas. It was a beautiful day, uh, cycling along the road, hit a flat tire at the wrong time, which meant that we were a couple hours behind where we should have been. And then we had a nice police escort, these two guys on the back of a motorbike, led us through the night under the stars into Chilas. Yeah, it was, it was quite beautiful, actually. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Like, we're just amazing, amazing stars ahead. And I think it was probably one of the few situations where you could have two guys beside you on a motorbike with an AK-47 and feel very, very safe because they were there for our, for our safety. Yeah. And they, they did give us a designated hotel. We wanted to go and just go into any cheap hotel, but they made us go to the most expensive in town as a precaution. Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, I think it's an interesting thing that I've been thinking a lot about with Pakistan because a lot of people, a lot of Pakistanis uh, ask us whether, um, how safe we feel. And from my side, I felt very safe basically all the time. But what I found was very interesting is that we did have an armed escort basically from Chilas to Almost to Islamabad, there was an armed escort. And so there's this very kind of weird thing of like, well, they say it's not, it's everything is very safe. And I felt safe. And I don't know about you. Um, and yet there was an armed escort. Yeah. Well, the armed escort, sometimes they were, uh, they put your nerves at ease. 
But there were other times where I think they were visibly anxious of us being there. I was actually a bit scared whilst we were in Dasu. So for context, we tourists don't haven't really been going to Dasu recently since the terrorist incident a couple of months ago, where over 10 Chinese foreign workers were killed in an attack. And we, we, it was getting late, nine o'clock-ish, and the police pretty much said, this is the only place you can stay. We're not letting you stay on the road. And so they were guarding our room very closely whilst we were there. Yeah. And I think it was their anxiety, or I think they were pretty uncomfortable with us being there. That's what unnerved me. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, that was interesting. Um, the, yeah, I think, I think that was an interesting dynamic. But there were some, there were some really great moments to the, uh, I don't want this conversation to sort of, yeah, there are a couple of moments I think where we felt, yeah, a little bit less safe. But I would say, you know, what, 95 times out of 100 people were kind and helpful. And, you know, we're on some really terrible roads um at points that just sort of broke down into to gravel and dirt and one of the panniers uh sort of came off and broke the the mud guard and that got fixed um pretty soon afterwards by some guy with some wire just kind of ingeniously sort of fixing it all um and just like very spontaneously doing that oh yeah that was actually that was great we we essentially cycled into town broken broken um, bags, stopped for a cup of tea, and the whole village were there to help us out. They were all getting their nuts and bolts out. They were trying every option to try and fix it for us. Yeah, that was really yeah. good. And it's amazing what you can fix with wire. Yeah. So one of the things that we did do, which is kind of crazy, I think, is we visited the school that uh, the Malala Foundation set up in in the Shangla Valley, which is the, the valley where Malala's from. What are your recollections from that visit, TJ? Well, the first recollection is you throwing me under the bus to give a talk, telling the whole hall full of kids that I would give a talk first. So I had to give an impromptu speech, talk to these kids which I talked about chemistry, which is a topic I studied at university. I think it was okay, but it was nothing in comparison to your talk. You're a great speaker. And they really engaged with what you were saying. I mean, I did, I did somewhat uh, put, you, put you on the spot because uh, I was waiting for the PowerPoint presentation, uh, the sort of, pre whatever it's called, projector to get set up. And I thought this would be the perfect time for TJ to, to give a talk. And I thought you did a great job. But yeah, I've I've had a lot of experience talking and um, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And it was a great privilege to be there. I think that, that school is, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Um, They're doing a great job. Yeah. And I think it was interesting, you know, just to put it into perspective of how special that school is in that area, Mubashir, who's um, Malala's cousin and was sort of looking after us, said in the valley, 2% of the women are, are literate, which is wow, yeah. mad. Um, and so, yeah, this, this is an all-girls school. And I think it will have a profound impact over the years on, on, on women and 
yeah, on, on women in the valley and hopefully the, the opportunities that they have. Yeah. I didn't realise it was that low. That's, wow, they are, they're fighting against it, aren't they? They're doing a great job. Yeah. Well, I was, I was shocked when, when I heard that. Um, but yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe I misheard it, but that's what he, that's what he said when we were having that um, wonderful, uh, it was trout, wasn't it? Yeah. From the um, Indus River. Yeah. Indus River trout. River which... cycling along. Who knew there were so many nice fish in there? Yeah. Yeah. So we eventually got to Islamabad and that marks the sort of end of nine, 900 kilometers of cycling with 9,000 meters of climbing in there. Did you have any particular thoughts or did you kind of feel anything in particular when we arrived? Into Islamabad. Yeah. Um, there was a sense of, um, there was a sense of relief because it had been tough and the cycling is tough. We were averaging near about a hundred kilometers a day on difficult roads, whether it because they were just bumpy or, and damaged roads or because of the traffic. But then I guess it was quite, it was quite sad in a way that my part of your adventure was coming to an end. Mm. Yeah. It, I think that's an interesting thing that I'm quite aware of and like one of the reasons I try not to rush to Beijing or have that as an aim because like when I get there this trip will be over and then like I have to do something else and this trip is currently amazing and I and I love it and so will will the next thing be anything better than I'm doing right now and yet so often we always focused on getting to the to to the next destination yeah maybe that's something uh, a message in there not to rush not to rush to the end it's a it's a journey that matters <laughs> <I'm> cheesy <laughs> i mean cheesy but true <laughs> yeah yeah it is yeah but it's also interesting you said there was that sense of relief because actually uh, I, I did have a bit of that sense as well, uh, which I was surprised about. But I was just, I was quite glad that we'd got got through some really difficult terrain. We had probably, what, like 10 <laughs> flat tyres or something on the final day. The gears stopped working. We needed to change the brake pads. Um, and like there was some sketches, you know, anything descending when we were, going down on that final day like overtaking like lorries and cars coming the other way and sneaking in gaps so i was quite relieved we got to islamabad in one piece yeah 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 it was quite nice to just relax in the hotel in the sun and not really have to worry too much that was definitely a good good couple of days thing. sitting back with the book yeah well, it was quite funny because on the first night um I was, I can't remember where I won. I was thinking for dinner, but you were like, I feel that you were like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go somewhere which is absolutely no Pakistani food because my stomach cannot take any more of it. And to be fair to you, um, you weren't in a great way a couple of days out from Islamabad. Yeah. So um, I got 
food poisoning the uh, penultimate day of cycling and I had to I had to take a back seat well I was sorry I had to do you're, you're already taking a back seat TJ come on yeah <laughs> yeah I had to uh, jump off the tandem and get into a car from for as part of the journey because I just wasn't in a good place mm. um, and then for the the days following that I just couldn't stomach any of the local food it's as if my body needed to reset before I could approach uh, the Pakistani food again which I did by the end yeah yeah um, and to be fair like a couple of days later I I also kind of went went down and yeah it's, it's not it's not super pleasant um but it was a bit of a it's a bit of a pity in some ways that we've had quite a couple of reasons that we needed to get to um Islamabad and so there wasn't that flexibility just to wait on the side you, you know not on the side of the road but just wait it out for a day or two and then carry on and that's it's a constant balance I find on the ride of trying to arrange stuff and make things happen and um yeah keep flexible are you going to stick to this sort of scheduled journey or are you gonna go back to your flexible way of doing things um, I think I'm going to, I'm already kind of being a bit flexible when it comes to Karachi. I'm going to be a visit there for a, a few days. Um, and now that no one is directly joining me for the first bit of India, or at least not at this point, there's no reason to like rush through Karachi. So I think instead of spending one or two days there, I might spend four days there or something. And there's not that much planned in India, so I'm very much looking forward to kind of snaking my way through it and just seeing seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah. And do uh, to go for do it. Do you want to talk about the uh, the incident in the nighttime with the police? Uh, I suppose we should do that. Uh, no, you you talk. You lead the way, and I'll sort of moderate it as when I feel you're being being a little bit harsh is that <laughs> okay that seems fair that seems fair I bear... yeah okay okay so, uh, set the scene for us then tj what what happened the scene in the night time it sounds like a title of a book with the police a long day of cycling not one but three flat tires oh. um, it was a horrible, horrible evening. And by the third flat tire, the police said, get in the car. We'll take you to the hotel. You don't need to cycle there. And so weakened and tired, we decided to jump in the car. And it was then that the police took us to the next police force who said as well, we will take you to the hotel. And that police force took us to another police force and said, they'll take you to the hotel. And that police force took us to another police force and said, they'll take you to the hotel. And by this point, we were thinking, they're not taking us to the hotel. They're just getting rid of us. And so yeah. each police force had to look after us. for our, They'd been given orders to just stay with us. But each police force didn't want to stay with us overnight. So just gave us to the next police force. And the next police force, no one wanted to have the responsibility of looking after us. And so what did we do in the end, Luke? 
Yeah, to be fair, no moderation is needed. Like that, that was basically exactly what happened. Uh, we went from one pickup truck to the next, carrying the bike and stuff. We went 70 kilometers, 70 kilometers away from we, where we'd stopped, past like, I don't know how many hotels, until um, we got to a service station and we said, well, we simply don't think you will take us to a hotel. And I think what the police were going to do is take us to a faraway city, a Abbottabad, and put us in some super secure compound hotel. But whatever, we, we didn't want to go another five hours in the dark or whatever. So we got to the service station and we said, we will go no further. We shall not pass. And how did we make um, this emphatic statement, TJ? We pitched the tent in a concrete covered space by a 24-hour cafe and 24-hour shop and we enjoyed a meal at one o'clock in the morning whilst the police like loitered around waiting for us. Yeah it was quite sad in some ways because they they were just following orders they were essentially just following what they'd been told to do and it wasn't going to work for us to keep on going but we ended up having a police like escort I guess three or four guys waiting overnight at the service station with us and we said you can go we don't need you here and they couldn't not follow orders um so yeah whilst we were in the tent they were in in their police pickup yeah okay now it makes us sound like the baddies but just to uh to go into more detail the final police escort these chaps who had to wait for us they'd lied through their teeth for like an hour we'd been arguing with them we'd had people on the phone for with them we'd showed them a safe hotel which we actually went to stay in later on uh, a couple the next night and it was fine so the, the the these final policemen i don't feel so bad for it um it, it's it's yeah. it's true um that that is accurate um, but I would like to say, I'd like to recommend the service station, which is near Mansara, if anyone ever wants to go to it. It has a, uh, a Nescafe coffee machine in it. It has toilets, which have the kind of um, showery thing to clean your bum in. That also works as a shower. So I cleaned myself in the toilet that night, and then I went and shot in that toilet next morning. Wow. <laughs> so classy. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was a nice little establishment. We could mm. have. Uh, I don't think we could have found much better, to be honest. Yeah, and there were rabbits. We had rabbits with us next morning. Oh, rabbits. Yeah. yeah, there was like a rabbit hutch right next and to our actually, tent. Yeah. So the next day, we got picked up by the police again, and we were in need of vital repairs. And this new police force, they were the international police, and they didn't have a restricted jurisdiction. They could go further. And they were great. The four of them, they took us to repairs and took us all the way back to where we'd been picked up in the first place. They did yeah. indeed. So I think it's fair to say that the story ended happily ever after, basically. Yeah. An adventure in a service station. All, all the best adventures that they happen. There's a service station in there somewhere. So TJ, you've, you've, you spent like what three weeks in Pakistan. You've had a lot of adventures, and you're now back in the UK. Um, how how does it feel being back? 
it just feels a bit strange, really. I'm itching to go and tell all my friends in person about my adventures with you, Luke. Um, but it feels as if it was this tight, slight blip and I wasn't, it, things go so fast. Um, it's good to be in a proper bed. It's good to see my dog. And it's good to um, eat as much cereal as I like. <laughs> but I do miss the sort of being on the road and the, the spirit and the adventure of it and the weather and the weather. Yeah, yeah I, I can kind of, I can imagine that, that you have a, a very intense, very different experience in something that's so different from the UK. And when you get back again, I imagine within like a day or two, it almost feels like it was a dream or there's like a dreamlike quality to this experience. that's so different from what you, you're, you're now doing, like the place that you're now in. Yeah, exactly that. I guess I, this podcast, talking about it to other people, reliving it brings it back to life, but just, sitting and watching TV, for example, it's, it's gone. It feels like it was a, a distant memory, mm. um, which is quite strange. strange. But I did, I, I will relive it because I did manage to buy a lot of nice cashmere scarves at the end in Islamabad, which I'll be giving out as Christmas presents. Uh, okay. So anyone listening to this, this is your chance. You've got a couple of, month and a half or something to be super nice to TJ and get your hands on a cashmere scarf from Pakistan. Yeah. I hope that's how it works. And you, you probably already made up your mind. Um, but your family uh, members at least need to be extra nice to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And give us a sort of a final reflection on, on Pakistan. You know, you spent, you spent a good chunk of time there. You, sort of never been there before i hate these questions to be honest i don't know why i'm asking it but like what are your what what are your sort of closing impressions of pakistan well um the northern regions absolutely stunning would highly recommend anyone to go visit uh gilgit baltistan hunza in particular i've never seen anything like it those mountains are magnificent and beautiful there are many good aspects to the food as well in Pakistan. Uh, those omelets, I'm craving the omelets they have every morning now. A couple of days of cereal and now I want those really tasty omelets. And the tea is good as well. And the, the people generally are always happy to see us. And that's something you just don't get here. You can, Which is a good thing that you can walk down the street and no one looks at you. But it is quite, it's pleasant in Pakistan when everyone was happy to see us. Yeah. 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 I think Pakistan, it gets a bad rep on the sort of international state level, but I, I think it's generally safe and people should be visiting. The people have a lot to offer and the country has a lot to offer as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Second that. And the, the final question, um, I want to ask is, you know, some people might just might have been listening to to this and to particularly what you, you've been saying and sort of think, you know, that that could be me, you know, that that could be me transforming my my life and doing something completely crazy and and joining this completely crazy person on his bike. Um, what would you say to to anyone who's sort of vaguely 
titillated by the prospect of um, grinding up hills day after day and um, getting abducted by police in the middle of the night. Go for it. It's an adventure and it's great fun. And these are, these are memories that you make and you'll be talking about for the rest of days. I'll be an old man talking to my grandkids like, oh, I remember the time I cycled through Pakistan. And I'll be like, oh, granddad, that sounds so cool. And I'll tell them all the stories. So yeah, get, go, go join Luke. Highly recommend. He's a good guy. He'll look after you. Well, I think that is the perfect place to end this episode. It, um, I think it will only go downhill from there. So TJ, um, it's, it's so awesome to chat as always. It's kind of weird not to be chatting in person and see you on a computer screen, but thank you for joining. Like it, it makes this ride what it is to be able to share it with other people. And I think it, it deepens, it deepens friendships. It, we, we've been in situations we wouldn't otherwise ever have been in. So just, Thanks for joining. Cheers. Thank you for having me, Luke. It's been a great three weeks. Great fun. And that was this week's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for listening. We put a lot of time into the podcast, so please do support us by subscribing, reviewing, and rating. And please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>